The queen of hip-hop soul, Mary J. Blige, just wailing on one of U2's most iconic tracks. And with Bono and the crew doing backup, now that's a cover. One love, one life, one radio station, one undercover. Fridays, 2 to 4 p.m. on WERU-FM, 89.9 in Blue Hill. One love. Support for WERU comes from our listeners and from the Maine Community Foundation, working with donors and other partners to improve the quality of life for all Maine people on the web at maincf.com. And you are listening to Community Radio, WERU-FM, 89.9 Blue Hill, 99.9 in Bangor, and streaming worldwide at WERU.org. Stay tuned for Talk of the Towns with your host, Ron Beard. Good morning and welcome to Talk of the Towns here on WERU. We try to go beyond the headlines to make sense of the issues facing Maine communities to share what works to seek alternative solutions. Talk of the Towns began in 1993 with support from University of Maine Cooperative Extension. Cooperative Extension puts knowledge to work with the people of Maine and like WERU, whose mission is to be a voice of many voices, operates out of a sense that everyone benefits when we share our knowledge, our experience, our concerns, our perspectives. We're about to practice the magic of community radio in which those of us in the studio and you who are listening create a dialogue that we hope will be of benefit to our friends, our neighbors, and colleagues. I hope you'll stay with us for the next hour and talk of the towns. Well, if we think of a a successful small town, um, we know that that's often based on its natural resources, its educational health and social supports, and, and support for appropriate scaled economic development. In the Shire Town of Washington County, a new partnership between Machaya Savings Bank and Sunrise County Economic Council is focused on the latter. And this morning we're going to talk about um, a new venture or new partnership, uh, specifically the Machias Valley Center for Entrepreneurship and the background behind that. And I'm so happy to have some guests in the studio who can help us with that. Charles Rutledge is the executive director of the Sunrise County Economic Council, and Larry Barker is the president and CEO of Machias Savings Bank. Welcome to both of you. Good morning. Thank you. Good morning. And let's uh, get each of you to uh, give a little background on yourselves. Uh, Charles, starting with you, you, you have a, a many different connections to Washington County. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay. Well, I grew up in Washington County in the town of Harrington. Um, went to local schools, graduated from Narragwegas, um, went away to study, um, went out of state for my bachelor's, and then came back um, and um, went to the University of Maine um, to study resource economics. And then um, actually interned at Sunrise County Economic Council when it was a small startup, um, mm-hmm. nonprofit. Um, did some other things, eventually became an attorney, worked for Pine Tree Legal um, for about five years, um, covering the courts in Hancock and Washington County. Um, and then about five years ago, I took on this role at Sunrise County Economic Council. Has it been five years already? Yeah, just <laughs> under. No, I actually, I'm, well, honest, to, to just very briefly, um, I am so thankful that I do this work, and our mission is to create jobs and prosperity in Washington County, um, because I had worked in legal aid just long enough, so I had kind of represented the same family in the same case, Mm. often evictions, Um, and at least in our part of Maine, um, that so often the real underlying reason is a lack of a living wage job or a business that, you know, creates profits that are like a living wage job for the adults in the family, Um, and that's what we do at Sunrise County. We do everything we can to create both those job opportunities in Washington County as well as um, space for entrepreneurship and support for entrepreneurship that can provide the same or better, hopefully, level of support for, for families. Mm. 
Larry, how about yourself? You said you got started raking blueberries and then became involved with Machaya Savings a, a number of years ago. Yeah, so so I'm not actually a native. My family moved down east when I was 10 years old. Uh, we were in the Bangor area before that, and and uh, so so you know the connection to natural resources for me is is clear. I started out raking blueberries, sure. you know, at a at a very young age, and and uh, you know raked blueberries for Ed Hennessy for a couple of years in, in 1990-91, August of 91. He approached me. He said, "If you ever need a job, come see." me. And so I, I did that shortly thereafter. And, and so I've been at the bank for 27 years. Uh, I am a proud graduate of the University of Maine and Machias. I have five children and, and an amazing wife. And we really enjoy the, uh, the community uh, living in Downey's Maine. Tell us a little bit about Machaya Savings and, and how it got started, what its roots are in that area, and then um, how you operate now. Sure. You know, Machaya Savings started out in 1869. We're 150 years old uh, next year. And so we're a $1.4 billion mutual savings bank. And so as a mutual, uh, you know, it's not about creating shareholder wealth for us. Our purpose as a company is to make a difference in our communities. Uh, we have 16 locations from Caribou to Portland. Uh, we have... Uh, and we were, we were uh, named by American Banker Magazine as one of the top ten banks to work for in the nation in, uh, this year. It's something right. we're very proud of. Uh, you know, we're a significant player in the business banking scene across the state. We have a portfolio that's creeping up on a billion dollars, uh, eight hundred and seventy-three million at last count. Mm. So um, the the notion of a savings bank different than a commercial bank. Just remind us what that is. You already mentioned this uh, shareholder kind of thing, but what what other focus should we think about? You know what what I what I would tell you is actually we we actually look much more like a commercial bank than we do a savings bank. When you look at our balance okay. sheet, we're seventy percent uh, business banking uh, portfolio, and the other thirty is is a retail. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And and your connection to Machias, um, the, it's in the name. <laughs> right. So you st- you started there, but have branched out. And is that is that pretty typical for a, a savings bank or uh, of something like you to, to kind of expand your 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 footprint? You know, a, a little atypical, I, I think, as you look at the traditional savings bank. I think we were one of the first banks in the state of Maine to to be to be moving into into other markets. Mm. Uh, you know, we were in, in, in doing business in Bangor for twenty years before we had a branch there. Mm. Uh, we were in Portland for fifty years before we had a branch there and mm-hmm. so you know it's 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 we've always had a very you know growth mindset mm-hmm. and you know uh given given uh, you know corporate headquarters located on main street machias if we wanted to grow we had to go after it and, mm-hmm. and, and that's exactly what we did mm-hmm. so uh, give uh, listeners um uh, some thumbnail sketch charles of um, washington county um today um what it, what is its economy based on Give us a little idea of the current demographics. Um, what are the, some of the things you're seeing from your position at Sunrise County Economic Council? Okay. So just very basically, it's a very large county. As you know, it's about a quarter of the main coast, um, a huge amount of land north of that that's relatively scarcely inhabited. Uh, there's 32,000 or roughly year-round residents now, although many more summer residents that, that live along the coast. The economy, like most places, is dominated by health care. Um, which I think is true almost everywhere in America. Uh, it's definitely true in Washington County. Um, but for other industries, natural resources play a, a larger part. Um, lobster right now, I'd say, is probably one of the largest. Hardwood pulp and tissue um, is still a very major player and really dominates the foreign forest products industry. Um, and there is um, a real reliance throughout the county and, and in these natural resource industries, and many of them, on small businesses. And we've noticed, I mean, I think it's always been true, it is very much true now, that almost every family has some sort of small business that's part of how mm. they get by. Um, often on the side of a job where one family member, even two adults in the household might have outside jobs, but will still have a small business. And many families rely on small business for all of their income. And how do you define a, a small business? But the, you know, I'm sure that the the uh, Commerce Department has an official definition. But in Washington County, how, what's the the practical definition? Our practical def- definition, which is very different from nationally. Nationally, it can be up to 250 employees. Mm-hmm. Um, we really look at businesses of less than 50 employees as small businesses, and many of the businesses we work with are actually what we call micro businesses, which in our definition is less than a full time equivalent. Mm-hmm. So it's a business that's less than what someone's doing full time. They're usually working at another business or a, another job, mm-hmm. or have caretaking responsibilities. Um, 
So that's, you know, in most of the business I say that we work with um, probably are between no employees to maybe 10. Um, it's actually, we work with some businesses in that 10 to 50. And of course, we try to partner with the larger businesses, but there really just aren't that many of them. Mm -hmm. And how about the demographics? Um, who makes up that 32,000 people? Well, our demographics, well, we're like the rest of Maine, only more so. Uh -huh. um, we are disproportionately made up of people who are in middle age, who are between 45 and 64. They're a very disproportionate part of the population. Um, we are the oldest county in Maine by median age. Um, we have relatively few young adults, um, some, and they make an incredibly important contribution to the community and to the economy, but a relatively smaller amount and a declining number of school children in most of the county. That's not true in the western Washington County where we have a, um, a Latinx community, a Latino um, mm -hmm. immigrant community that's changed the demographics there. And we have a lot more young families and a lot more kids um, relative to the other parts of the county. But for most of the county, um, it's really a story of where the most, I guess, the most vital part of the population are people, you know, in their 40s, 50s, and 60s. Mm. And, and uh, Larry, as you think about the the Washington County portion of your portfolio, how do these match up with what Charles has described? What, what, some of, what are some of the characteristics of the portfolio in Washington County? It's very similar. It's, it, again, it's a, it's a natural resource-based economy. So, you know, we're we're obviously heavily involved in, in all of those industries. We're probably the, 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 the largest lender uh, to the lobster fishing industry in the state, I would guess. I don't have those stats, mm -hmm. but uh, you know we're we're heavy in farming, um, and, and of course uh, the, the the logging and, and you know the the, the farming and, and, and the logging both have been very challenging industries over the past few years uh, with with the you know blueberry price being so low and and, and prices on the uh, and competition on the logging side has been very difficult for folks in those industries to mm -hmm. to make a living. And to Charles' point, you know most people juggle a bunch of different balls and, and you're always doing a bunch of different things and 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 I did it growing up, but Charles. Charles' family did it. You know, mm -hmm. you, you're trying to, to piece together a living. And so, you know, our, since 1990, I believe our population is down 10 percent. Uh, and so that's a, that's an ongoing challenge. We, we do have some very bright, ambitious young people. We need opportunity uh, if, if we're going to keep them. And, and, you know, I think a lot of those young people would like to live, work, and raise a family in Washington County if they can and find a way to piece it together. You know, our, our unemployment rate was as high as 13 percent in 2010. It is down closer to 5 percent today, but, again, still double that mm. of Cumberland County, for example. Mm. And that, that notion of, of um, you've got some challenges what would you say the the assets are you know what do you again it's it's people it's place it's uh, tradition talk a little bit about what you think the assets that you can build an economy on you want to start sure by? sure you, you know of course you know, those natural resources mm -hmm. that we just talked about you know the ocean the forest the farming uh, you know we have we have some, we have a an amazing community. We have an amazing landscape. Uh, you know, we have several state parks. We have a beautiful sand beach. We have hiking trails. We have the Sunrise ATV Trail, which is getting busier on an annual basis. You know, the lakes, the rivers, the streams, uh, you know, very hard working population with strong character and, and great work ethic. We have a great quality of life. We have a great sense of community. You know, I, I like to say we're, we're, we're Bar Harbor without the traffic. Mm, mm, mm. Charles, what would you add to that? Well, I would say resiliency. Uh, I mean, the, the families that the families in Washington County um, honestly have survived a lot of hardship mm. over the last hundred years mm -hmm. with different different changes in industry, changes mm -hmm. in employment, um, and families stick together, um, communities stick together, um, and also individuals. I mean, they work hard and, and they adjust to change. Mm. Um, and there's also something which can sometimes get us into trouble, but there's a real independent streak where people are willing to take risks and to work incredibly hard um, if they're in a situation where they can control their destiny and control what's happening. And I, again, I think that's true everywhere in Maine, but it is definitely true in Washington County. Mm. So as you look at, you've already mentioned the, the important role of small business. Um, as you look at that, um, you kind of looked at um, the opportunities to work together and, and tell us a little bit about the Nash building, what its origins are and what you're hoping to do with as an entrepreneurship center. Charles, you want to start? Uh, yes. Well, the, the Nash building is, well, one of several historic, it's not on a register by any means, but a historic building in downtown in, in the village core. Um, not a huge building. Um, it's about um, a little over about 3,000 square feet. 
um, has been many things in its life, from essentially a warehouse with some retail um, to different types of retail, including a Hallmark store when I used to go to school in Machias ages ago in the 80s. Um, and most recently, I think it had been a restaurant or a bar. It's been vacant for quite a while. Mm-hmm. Um, the building is in disrepair. Um, and But it does play a key role of one of about a half dozen buildings that are really what's left in some ways. of It's both what's left and what's threatened in the center of the village core. So I think it has a disproportionate importance mm. to its size. Mm. And, and Larry, your um, work at Machaya Savings Bank, um, I think you've taken a great deal of pride in, in restoring um, buildings in, in that town, uh, both for your banking business, but also helping others. Talk mm. a little bit about what buildings mean <laughs> in, a, in a downtown. Yeah, critically important. You know, I, I, like, to, I like to think of our downtown, and, and, and look, that's not just Main Street. It's, it's a you know, three or four mile stretch from, from one end to the, to the other, but I, it's, it's the face of our community. Mm. And, 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 you know, one of, one, of the, one of the assets that we didn't mention is we have a very strong uh, uh, you know, population increases significantly in the summer months, we can have a lot of people uh, that have second homes from mm-hmm. away, and mm-hmm. you know when they drive down that main street, as Charles mentioned, uh, you know this building uh, has has really turned into a liability, mm-hmm. and it's it's you know so I, I think the uh, the folks that, that that owned it before we purchased it uh, uh, came out in the middle of the night one night and painted it uh, the most awful lime green you, you've ever seen, and so I think it's it was at that moment when it when it struck us that we really need to. Try Try to do something uh-huh. about this because it's such uh-huh. a liability for our community, and, and we didn't know exactly what that was going to turn into. But we, you know, we we uh, we reached out and, and we indicated we'd have interest in purchasing the building, and, and that all came together. And so then we said, "All right, now we, we we've got this. What are we going to do?" And, and that's where those conversations began with with Charles, and, and we've had a, a partnership with SCEC going way back. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. even back in the. In the mid to late '90s, I was on the board, actually president of the board of SCEC. Mm-hmm. You know, we so we've we've had a, a large volunteer effort there with our employees for many many years, and so it was a natural place for us to turn. Mm. Tell us just a, a little a short um, piece about the building that that now is a kind of a community center. It's an old post office, or the building that's a community center that you've you've at the at the bank have kind of created. Yeah. So so you know, next to the to the bank, there was a it was an old customs building. Customs the windows building, were broken. Right. Uh, there was a lot of pigeons. Uh, that had taken up residence uh, inside the building and, 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 you know, making the messes that they make. And so as we've continued to expand, you know, we've got 130 employees on Main Street and Machias now to support our continued statewide growth. And and so space continues to be a challenge. You know, we we, we, we hire, you know, uh, anywhere from two to four people on an annual basis in Machias. I think Mm -hmm. there's there's almost always an ad for for somebody, uh, you know, as we continue to grow and expand. So, you know, it's, it's, it's natural for us to want to keep that uh, campus, if you will, uh, you know, right in the same general area. Or, and again, you know, wanting to make that contribution to to, uh, to Main Street and, and continuing to grow. You know, look, uh, our roots are down east. We're committed to maintaining our corporate headquarters on Main Street and Machias, even though, you know, at this stage in the game, it's not central right. to our footprint sure. anymore. It's a long ways to Caribou <laughs> and a long ways to Portland. But again, we're, we're, we're committed. So, uh, Charles, what, what made you think of an entrepreneurship Center as a possible use for the Nash Building. Well, uh, two things, actually two things at once. Uh, one was there is a need for an entrepreneurship center. Okay. Uh, definitely, uh, there's a need for a co-working space, um, and I'm not sure a for-profit model will work in our community, just given the density. Mm-hmm. What do you mean by a co-working space? Uh, essentially, a space where people can buy a membership in some ways, like a gym. Okay. Um, but they have access to a professional space to work. In s- some parts of it are like a cafe, mm. so it's a Starbucks without without the coffee, um, but in a more professional environment. And there's also access to equipment, whether it's high-speed internet, video conferencing um, facilities, um, and some of the just conventional, you know, a really good copier. (laughs) You know, some other things that businesses need access to but are probably impractical for a one- or two-person business to purchase Mm. during their early years. So as you envision this, um, where are you now, and, and what's the, what are some of the steps that you're looking to, to take in the next um, couple of years? Okay. So we're, at a, we're both at a design and fundraising um, 
point, um, design both of what the actual renovation of the building, and, and we believe we may have to tear off an, a, an addition to the building mm -hmm. and then replace it. So there's some architectural work being done. We also are in a design phase on two other fronts. One is on the actual programming that is going to be in the center. We know at this point that there's going to be a co-working space. We know there's going to be elements of an incubator with technical assistance providers um, co-located on site. We think there's a potential for something much more um, intentional around maybe a cohort-based approach for people who do not have businesses but are thinking of starting them. Um, we are exploring partnerships with both the University of Maine at Machias and the community college so that we can perhaps um, coordinate very closely with their um, business programs. So there's program design going on. Um, and finally, there's a community-wide um, effort that's been going on for a few years but has really gained momentum in the last few months around downtown revitalization. Mm. And in this, I almost should say village revitalization because mm. it's really looking at you know, the, key, the key institutions in the village center – how they're connected, and of course the role that the down, you know, the actual part of Main Street plays, because it's the center. Mm -hmm. um, and it is a real, I would say right now, the Main Street is such, and every Main Street in an area is so tied to the perceived quality of life for a community. Um, and I think right now um, the condition of our Main Street, especially the central part of it, is really undermining the per the perception of the quality of life in Machias. And you know, the reality is better than it looks, to right. be honest. Right. And we need to change the downtown so it actually reflects the reality of the quality of life in the community. Yeah, I think you've got a challenge in that it's the, the street is the main way through town. So there, there's been the kind of incursion, not, not to disparage them, but of gas stations into the center of town, which probably um, makes the appearance look, well, is this a, is this a center or not? And so we, we may talk a little bit more about that later later in the in the program because we've got um, Bill Kitchen lined up to um, talk with us. He's on the town council there in Machias, and he can help us with that notion of downtown revitalization. Uh, what are the businesses that you you are working with currently? How do you, how are you picking up on their cues as to what this center might look like? So for most of the businesses that we're essentially talking to already, and often it's through our partners who are. Um, like Coastal Enterprises, who is a business counselor located in, in, in actually in our office in Machias, um, and our own um, workers who work directly with small businesses. Uh, we know there's a group of businesses that are often one-person businesses, often doing a role as consultants um, that really have a need of this sort of space and these sorts of facilities. Um, and often sometimes they're doing consulting work in GIS and in other um, you know, geographic information systems and other work where the high-speed internet, which isn't always available in Washington County once you get beyond the village centers, mm. um, you know, access to that will be incredibly valuable. We also have heard of a real need for community, of mm. um, a, a sense of isolation mm -hmm. uh, among professionals who are working on their kitchen table, essentially are working in a spare bedroom converted to an office, who may have young kids, mm -hmm. which can be really make it difficult to, to take that time and have a professional setting for meetings and the like. Um, and also a sense that they're isolated. And we think um, the co-working space will create that sense of community. Again, not that different than a Starbucks, mm -hmm. but um, in a much more structured and intentional way. Mm. Larry, has the bank ever partnered in something like this elsewhere? Or do you see examples of this in in the, the geographic area that you cover? Boy, uh, I'm not. None come to mind, okay. but but certainly, uh, you know, we th there are examples of these these types of uh, facilities across the state, and, and they have realized some some success. And, and uh, yeah, I'd like to I'd like to echo uh, Charles's comments around perception. I, mean, mm. I think it's absolutely critical, you know, from for, from our young people all, all the way up through uh, the quality of life in Downey's Maine is fantastic. I woke up yesterday, and the sun's coming up, and I'm thinking <laughs> to myself, what a privilege. Sure. To be able to live, work, and, and raise a family right here. Right. So, I mean, we, you know, look, uh, a couple of years ago, Washington Academy, one of, our, one of our local high schools, introduced an entrepreneurship class. Hmm. 
they had to double the size of the class because so many kids signed up. You know, you know, one of the national statistics, and, and don't quote me on this number, but somewhere in the range of, of, of 70, 75% of high school kids surveyed uh, say they'd like to start a, in, in, and run a small business someday. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So, I mean, you know, one of the, one of the segments that, 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 that's really important to me is, is the youth and, and, you know, changing the perceptions of, of what's possible, what's possible. And, yeah. and, and rallying and, and engaging and, and, you know, really trying to inspire young people again we, we have all of these natural resources i think it was angus king years ago that said a, a fish shouldn't leave sure. the state with its head on yep. you know it's that kind of it's a huge opportunity with right. the natural resources that we have to add value and, and create opportunity around that and many of the businesses that are going to exist in the future we didn't envision five years ago. We barely envision now. So these young people better be kind of on the on the scene because they're going to invent these businesses. You know, and this is exactly what we want to. We want to create an entrepreneurial ecosystem, if you uh-huh. will, where yeah. we can connect all of these dots and bring all of these resources together in in, in one place that can really uh, add add value. Great. Well, I'll just remind listeners they're tuned to Talk of the Towns here on WERU. Our conversation with Charles Rutledge of the Sunrise County Economic Council and Larry Barker, President and CEO of Machaya Savings Bank, is really about the small business climate in Washington County. We're joined by phone by Bill Kitchen. Bill is the uh, member of the town council in Machias, and we're glad to have you with us on Talk of the Towns, Bill. Thanks for having me, Ron. Tell us a little bit about how you got involved in, in local um, uh, governance, a uh, member of the, t- the town council in, in Machias, and then, <laughs> then we'll talk about uh, downtown revitalization. <laughs> I was drafted. You were drafted. Many of us were that go, go, go into public service. Indeed. Now, I, I too, am from away. Um, in fact, uh, moved here about seven years ago to live alone on Little River Island Lighthouse, um, as part of a restoration um, and awareness project, and pretty much assumed I would go back to New York City uh, at the completion of that initiative. And absolutely, in that year and a half, just fell in love with the area, and perhaps more importantly, fell in love with the communities, mm. and um, became engaged across a, a lot of different platforms. And uh, as a result of initially working for a newspaper, attended a lot of municipal meetings and ultimately became more engaged and uh, about a year and a half ago uh, joined the council. Great, great. And and so tell us a little bit about what you're seeing as a, as a you have fresh eyes um, to this community, relatively fresh eyes. What, what did you see when you arrived in terms of, of the main street to the, the center of town? And what are your hopes for um, that, that part of Machias? Well, as, as both Larry and Charles touched on, um, we have a history and a heritage of, of tremendous resilience and inventiveness and ingenuity. We have long made our livings from what I refer to as dirt, water, and wood. Hmm. And as these industries have been reinventing themselves and uh, figuring out how to add value, as, as Larry touched on, um, that coupled with the fact that with technology changes, uh, you know, that you can start and run a business from anywhere, you know, we've seen a lot of of, of developments happening there uh what we are really trying to do is is a focus on leveraging private and uh, municipal or public partnerships Uh, this is a great example of that and and we are so blessed in this community to have SCEC and machaya savings here Uh, and and we're trying to put together a real sort of sea change and in the last 18 months, we have had a $1.2 million new emergency room complex. We just completed a $4.5 million airport renovation. We're working on a recreational complex. We're working on a vocational center. Um, And most importantly, right now, we are uh, exploring a TIF initiative, which I think is perhaps the best vehicle for a municipal slash private enterprise partnership um, tax incremental financing. 
and how does that how might that actually work in Machias? and, and uh, I'll, I'll, I'll I'll let Charles weigh in on this too um, but Bill start with you what how how might this work in Machias? well it, we are focused we talked earlier about downtown and um, our focus is not just on that historic strip of downtown but an extended region of Route 1 and a couple of other industrial pockets that we're trying to develop, uh, one of which is around the airport. And the state TIF program is, is one that really allows a municipality to be an economic development partner with private enterprise. So what, we've doing, what we're doing is identifying a number of different areas of the town and then looking at developers and going to them and saying, hey, do you want to do this in partnership with you? Here is what's in it for you guys. This is what's in it for the municipality. And it allows us to earmark funds that would be sheltered from a state valuation for specific improvements within the municipality. So, Bill, it sounds like um, you, you and others, members of the council, are taking this larger picture, not just the, the downtown, but saying, okay, what's the future of, of the whole um, region, and then how does this downtown fit into that? That is correct. And, in fact, we have to. Machias, as you mentioned, is Shire Town. It is the service community. It is what a good eight to ten communities around us re, um, rely upon every day. It is... Um, it, it's certainly an additional burden for this town, but it is what we are. We are the service community. This is what we have to do. So uh, the the council is, in fact, taking a very big picture view. Charles, what would you add to, to what uh, uh, Bill has already said in terms of the hopes for this, this particular project? Well, I think that uh, tax increment financing can be a really powerful tool. I mean, it will eventually be up to the voters of the town of Machias in a town meeting to decide on whatever district is approved and, and what aspects it can make it make where it is and what it does. But it's essentially a way of taking property tax revenue um, and setting it aside to be used for economic development. So it can be used to pay for um, interest on bonds or to directly pay for the cost of parking lots, sidewalks, sewer line extensions, that sort of thing. Um, it also is possible um, with approval from the state of Maine um, to return some of it to the owner of the property. So if there's been an increase in property tax because someone built a building that wasn't there before, um, a portion of those new property taxes can be returned to the building owner to help make the whole project essentially work financially. Um, these districts have been used all over the state, and we've it, they've been used in Machias in the past to encourage downtown development. Um, and I think that's very much a community discussion right now mm. about what the mix is between those mm -hmm. uses, um, and, and really what the community, what the voters of the town of Machias really want mm -hmm. to use this tool for. Mm -hmm. There are other tools like community development block grants, which are federal funds that flow through the state of Maine and then to the towns, um, as well as some. Northern Border Regional Commission funds, which again are federal funds that flow through a federal agency to the town, um, that may be leveraged here to help support some public infrastructure. Um, Machias went through a major downtown revitalization effort in the 80s, and a lot of that infrastructure is nearing the end of its useful life. Mm. So whether it's we're talking about sidewalks or parking lots or street lamps, um, you know, there's a need to to work on a lot of that. Mm. Returning uh, now to Bill. Uh, Bill, as you've um, had this conversation with people in Machias, what are some of the re their reactions about um, not only the big picture that you're talking about, but this notion of, of um, kind of looking at the downtown it itself? Uh, I think you've got um, a couple of different camps in play. There's, there's certainly um, a contingent of the population that doesn't like things the way they are, but doesn't want them to change either. <laughs> uh, then you, you've got an increasing number of, of young people, a tangible number of young people who are starting families here and are staying here. Um, but they are, they, they are crying for infrastructure and, and are now getting engaged and in, in, involved in it, mm, really. Um, so, I think that we, we happen to be enjoying a bit of a renaissance at the moment with, with improvements across a number of platforms. And I think that we are 
really getting a consensus as people begin to see, uh, as, as Charles and Larry points out, it is a huge perception problem. Um, it is a lot based on visuals or longstanding opinions. And I think we're beginning to see a change in that across a lot of platforms. Great. Well, Bill, we'll let you go, but thanks for your work and and, um, for the vision that you and other members of the council have for the area. Um, um, I'm sure we'll we'll come back to you in a a year or so and say, well, what's happened? Larry, before we let Bill go? Yeah, I'd just like to add to that. You know, we talked about the bank's expansion earlier. You know, we're at a place, Ron, now where we have employees in the basement again. Uh, we're bursting at the seams, mm-hmm. and, and, and we anticipate over the next decade hiring another 40, 50 people on Main Street in Machias. And so as, as a company that's currently considering uh, expanding and, and, and building a 4 to $5 million building, it's really expensive to build today. Mm-hmm. So, so for us, uh, uh, the, the, the TIF is an absolute critical piece in terms of the economic feasibility of our project. And, and I and I really believe as as folks get educated and, and learn the ins and outs of a TIF, I think they'll come to understand that it's really a win-win for mm. for, for, mm. for everybody involved, mm-hmm. including the, the greater community. So as as a bank, you're saying you're going to have to build just to house the employees that you've got, it, and absolutely. that you want that to happen downtown. We certainly, and then do. that adds to the the critical mass for. For a right. successful downtown, right, right, right. You know, certainly, uh, uh, you know, this isn't exclusive to Maine, but but Main Streets across America. I mean, there was an article in the Wall Street Journal a month ago about about the the, the absolute transformation, in, especially in retail. Um, look, I mean, they struggle to keep tenants at the Bangor Mall. So imagine trying to run a successful retail uh, business in a, in a in a community whose population is is cut in half. You know, six or seven months out of the year. So mm-hmm. it's pretty difficult, but you know, one thing that I think we do know is for, for any business on Main Street or anywhere else to, to survive and thrive, it needs customers. Sure. And so, you know, uh, and, and, you know, and you can go in any of our businesses up and down Main Street any time of, of just about any day, and you can see a bunch of, you know, go into the restaurant at noontime and half the people in there work at the bank. So it's a pretty neat thing, and, and we're proud to be having that impact on the community. Great. Bill, again, thanks for participating this morning, and, and good luck with your work. Ron, thanks for having me. Okay, great. Bill Kitchen, a member of the Machias Town Council, here um, as we talk on Talk of the Towns with Charles Rutledge uh, of the Sunrise County Economic Council and Larry Barker of Machias Savings Bank. Um, this notion of a, a downtown, and it's it's a common um, kind of situation throughout um, our region, and, and in fact, uh, I'm teaching a course uh, at College of Atlantic on community building or community development, and we're using the Fallows book that uses Eastport <laughs> as an example of a, a place that's got some soul, it's got some character, and um, and yet it's still struggling. So, Charles, you must see this kind of this dilemma pop up in other places that you're working in. Uh, definitely. And we definitely have, and in Washington County, we have communities like Callis that have real challenges with the downtown, but also have a very robust retail sector and big box stores. Mm. That isn't the story in Eastport or Machias. Right. Um, you know, we have some struggling. We have some small box stores that have built been built on the outs, outskirts of these villages. But um, you know, there is really an opportunity, I think, to create quite a vibrant downtown. Um, but it is, you know, it's complicated. Mm. Um, I, I know since we've you know with the Nash Building, looking at the property, <laughs> at the survey, it used to, there used to be a railway there and large wharves that used to offload a lumber. Mm. Um, so. You know, you would you would never think that this post postage stamp lot could have so <laughs> like five easements. Right, uh, right. I mean, it is remarkably complicated because of the rich history of these village centers, um, and I think that means it takes a partnership essentially to redevelop it, and which involves the town. It involves you know the kind of the prominent businesses and the prominent institutions in the town, and, and just a partnership of small businesses too mm-hmm. and property owners, um, because it isn't. I think we've seen from the past and the difficulty of investment in the village center. It's not something that just an independent property owner without that partnership has much of a chance of succeeding in. Right. And what, what's fascinating to me, and I think it's happening more and more, is, is communities are going getting a sense of what they want. And they're approaching developers and saying, will you help us? Yeah. Rather than wait for the developers, who might be reticent. Um, but if they're welcomed in and they're sought as a partner, mm-hmm. everybody feels uh, better about that. Well, let's go to a, a small business 
business owner um, and get some perspective. Andrea Lyford is with us um, by phone. She's the owner of A29 Marketing um, in East Machias, I believe. Uh, welcome to Talk of the Towns, Andrea. Thanks, Ron. I'm glad to be here. Tell us a little about yourself and how you um, um, developed um, your marketing uh, small business. Um, sure. Well, um, like you said, my name is Andrea Lyford, and um, I grew up in Down East Maine. Um, and I'm the owner of A29 Marketing, and I just um, started this company because um, my husband and I had been toying with the idea um, for a while as we saw the need um, in the area for marketing services and um, find that a lot of businesses here um, tend to go outside to bigger agencies, but um, a lot of times you want to talk to someone personally um, for the small business owners in this area um, to get that personal attention. And so after um, quite a bit of time of research and looking at it, I um, decided to start it and I started with creating websites, just basic websites for business owners. And so now I do all types of different things such as um, social media management and content creation, digital graphics, and basically just helping small businesses um, optimize their presence online and it involves all different types of things. So. So what you what you're saying is that there are many other um, similar size businesses. They all need, in your case, um, kind of a, um, a marketing assistance, and um, you're able to do that locally rather than to have them go to Bangor or Portland, which are traditionally where marketing firms go because they've got critical mass. But you're doing it locally. Correct, correct, and that's um, a, a great advantage, but also a challenge. Um, so, but. Um, more recently, I've had feedback um, from one particular client. They, they really appreciate being able to talk with someone personally and not just um, being a number, so to speak, um, with a larger agency. So that's been um, really fulfilling for me to be able to do that with them because I am a solopreneur, but, um, and that, like I said, has its challenges, but it also is incredibly fulfilling to be able to help businesses in my local area. If you could, um, give us a, um, kind of a little thumbnail sketch of one or two of the businesses that you're working with that um, give us a, a, a kind of an idea of the range of businesses that you work with. Um, sure. So, um, for example, um, we've been talking a little bit about the natural resources in the area, and so one of those currently right now is um, Reese, Christmas Reese. So mm. I'm helping um, a Reese company um, right now with some of their uh, content creation and SEO, and um, so I'm doing that currently. I've also helped um, blueberry farmers. Um, that's been fun as well because you get to I get to learn about their business and what they've built um, over a long period of time and all the hard work and effort they put into it, and then I can kind of help them with expanding using digital marketing. Um, they've worked really hard for many years, and so as they move into uh, a digital age, Sometimes it's harder for the older business owners to um, continue to grow in in that in the age that we live in. So um, I've been working with blueberry farmers as well. So again, I can imagine that someone who has advertised in a newspaper knows how to do that. But um, you're saying that there's many other ways to get a message out to people these days, and you're helping them do that. Yes, exactly. And you mentioned the word content creation. I believe is that a buzzword? Help me understand that. <laughs> So content creation is um, everything from the way you craft a social media post to the digital graphics that go with that to blog writing is very big right now um, as an organic way, meaning you don't have to pay for it. Um, it's a way to generate traffic to your owned media, being your website. So I do a little bit of that. I also do um, email marketing, which is one thing that um, many of us have a distaste for, um, but it's actually quite effective and can be quite effective. Um, if you think about it, the one app that you do probably check um, regularly every day is your email. So I work at creating um, some content for that. So, yeah, that's what content creation involves. Great. And um, if you think about this potential um, new entrepreneurship center, the Machias Valley Entrepreneurship Center that uh, Charles Rutledge and Larry Barker have been um, thinking about and, and planning for. How might, if you had that um, uh, center up and running, how might you have used it, and how might some of your uh, current clients use that kind of facility? Well, I think um, one of the uh, things that they already mentioned was um, the, just the need for high-speed Internet. That's been one of my biggest challenges. Um, I work out of my home, like um, you were talking about earlier, um, and 
that's been a huge frustration for me. Uh, we've switched companies, and it's still not the greatest um, service that I can get here, and that's especially frustrating because of what I do. The nature of my work is online, and so when my Internet goes down, I'm, I'm sunk. So that's been a huge challenge. Um, so the center would, that would be an incredible benefit for businesses to have high-speed Internet that's reliable. Um, also, um, one of the things that I didn't really anticipate when I started my business was the, the sense of isolation. Um, it would have been really nice to have a place where you do go and um, you can network with other business owners and um, just have a sense of camaraderie and a sense of, of teamwork, even though you're not working for the same company, you're in the same space. And, and I do really miss going into an office and having that sense of collaboration and sense of teamwork. So, and also just to have a physical location for me, it's challenging um, even meeting with clients. Like where do I go to meet with a client? Most of the time I can go to their place of business, but I can't have them come here to my home. So the center would be great for having some sort of professional environment where um, I can meet with potential clients and, also, when my clients are um, needing to just see me face-to-face, even for just a few minutes, it would be very convenient. Uh, for example, most a lot of my clients, sometimes they're technologically challenged, so when I need content from them, for example, um, I need photos from them or video, a lot of times I use a Dropbox, which is an online tool. But if I'm in Machaya they, and they're coming through to pick up supplies or, or go to lunch, they can just pop in and... Um, drop off a thumb drive to me or airdrop their content to me. So that would be um, incredibly beneficial to have the center for those types of reasons. Kind of a hub. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And and um, Andrea uh, Lyford, um, if you were to advise some of these young students that uh, at Washington Academy who are do- involved in an entrepreneurship program, any advice for the, for the young folks um, that are thinking about starting small businesses, what would you say to them? Yeah, I would... One thing that I would say to them is to not be afraid to ask for help and to ask for advice and be be humble and willing to learn from people that are much older and wiser than you. Um, I tend to see sometimes um, we always feel like we need to be experts at everything, and you're not going to be. And there's a ton of resources available. I mean, even when I was starting out, I remember um, going to uh, starting a small business workshop with Ruth Cash Smith and she was an incredible resource for me um, to just learn and be willing to listen to the people that um, they've been down the road before and um, they have a lot to offer and to, to not be afraid to ask for advice and, and to listen. And the other thing I think I would say to them as well is um, to really focus on, and it, it might seem counterintuitive, but to focus whatever your industry is to focus on helping people. And to just figure out where, whatever your business idea is, um, figure out where your customer needs intersect with what you have to offer for them. So whether you're offering a product or a service, use that to help people and help them solve their problems and make their life better. And then I, I think they will find success if they do that. Andrea, you sound like a very wise woman. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well, Thank you so Thank much you. for sharing um, that those insights, and uh, best of luck to you in, in uh, your work um, with A29 Marketing and, and in the Machias area. Okay, thank you, Ron. Thank you for being on the show this morning. We're talking with Larry Barker, President and CEO of Machias Savings Bank, and Charles Rutledge of the Sunrise County Economic Council. It's your turn now if you'd like to give us a call, participate in this conversation about developing a small business climate, mostly in Washington County perhaps, um, but where you are as well. Give us a call, 1-866-625-9378. That's 1-866-625-9378. Any uh, comments, Charles, about... uh, Reflections on Andrea's contribution to our, our conversation? Well, it was um, – honestly, it's really um, helpful <laughs> and honestly incredibly encouraging right. to hear the, those. And we have heard these sure. from businesses, so which sure. is where the themes come from in the right. first place. Right. Um, but to hear those themes echoed around community, yeah. you know, fighting isolation, around the need for internet. Sure. And it is a – it's a serious problem in that we have good internet in the village centers. Okay. But – where people are building houses or out on points, out on deep water, on the on the ocean, or on the lakes further inland, which are 
incredible places to live, but they don't have internet or right. they don't have high-speed internet. Sure. And there's a real mismatch there between where people want to live and, and where the broadband is. And, and we're thinking this will really help right. entrepreneurs who are in those, you know, who are living in magical places, but magical places that have dial-up. <laughs> and this right. will be a place to, you know, allow them to do their work. Right. We have our first caller. Go ahead with your, um, give us your name and your town you're calling from, and go ahead with your question or comment, please. Yes, I'm calling from Washington County. Wonderful. I'm a wild, wild blueberry grower. Uh-huh. And we have uh, 60,000 acres of this wonderful gift of nature that's 10,000 years old. And unfortunately, all of our small growers here in Washington County are, are dying. I mean, the trees are growing up in the fields. It's a very difficult situation. I was wondering what these folks might have to say about that. Well, great. And, and you're saying um, the, the blueberry um, fields are dying. But are no, you... no, the fields are not dying. The peat, there's no market for the okay. wild okay. blueberries. Yeah. There's no one to buy their berries. Okay, great. Well, let's get some comments from um, either Charles Rutledge or Larry Barker, who got his start raking blueberries. Charles? Well, oh, well um, this is actually a crisis. Um, in the industry, um, we had we went through about two decades of relatively stable prices and relatively high prices mm. from a historic standpoint in the blueberry industry that really allowed the industry to expand for small you know family sized operations and even smaller operations to thrive um, and for the larger companies to expand and invest. Um, the last few years we 've seen a crash in the essentially the the market price of frozen wild blueberries, which has affected the field price, um, has affected even direct-to-consumer marketing. It's been a huge challenge. Um, and it's, and um, there is, I mean, as the caller mentions, there is a real risk of land being abandoned, especially the smaller lots, the family-sized farms. You know, the larger companies have more resources, but even they have been very challenged. But definitely the smaller farmers, and my own family, you know, we have about 35 acres of blueberry land on our fa- family farm, um, and we've gone through several years of losing money, which is not sustainable mm. by any means. Mm. Um, it is a huge challenge, and, I mean, we hope that the commodity prices will go back up to where they've been for the last few decades and the business will be profitable and kind of the way it was before. Um, it, that didn't happen in cranberries. When the price fell, it didn't come back. Um, and it is possible that small growers... We'll, we'll have to focus on value-added and direct-to-consumer, which mm-hmm. is really – that's where that marketing piece or mm-hmm. that assistance mm-hmm. of other businesses is so critical. Um, and we know of several um, farms that have done really incredible work in reinventing themselves as value-added and direct-to-consumer enterprises. But even they have been struggling. I don't want to minimize it. No. It is a – you know, some parts of the natural resources and economy in Washington County are booming right now. You know, blueberries are really in a crisis. Well, we're we're again we're a small local region, but we're tied to a global um, economic system, yeah. <laughs> and I, I think the fisheries are in the same kind of boat. Um, we don't get to control um, that kind of market and and the prices yeah. any any longer. Mm-hmm. That's got to be a challenge. How do you yeah. see that? Yeah. You know, I think uh, many of our smaller farms are beginning to to uh, transition to organic, and yep. there is great demand, and the price is strong for organic blueberries. I, I guess you have to. Deliver them to Ellsworth, uh, but but I you know I do think it, it does come back to the to the value added opportunities for this incredible resource that we have in Washington County and been able to to, to be entrepreneurial about it as as a farmer and develop your own niche. I am personally optimistic that mm. the price is going to get incrementally better mm. over the next few years. The crop this year was terrible, which I think, you know, is 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 is, is really bad and really good all at the same time because it was necessary to, to reset uh, and, and get rid of all of the inventory that was out there. I have 25 acres myself. I've been in the blueberry business all my life. Mm-hmm. I have a I have a mechanical harvester, and I have a 20-year-old son that I thought would be able to make some money, uh, you know, uh, on the side. Again, one of those many balls that you have to juggle to, to piece together a living and my my land has been sitting idle for a few years as as has my my tractor one eight six 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 two five nine three seven eight if you'd like to participate in this conversation about developing a small business climate in Washington County so this notion of value added um, Andrea's notion that um, one of the ways and I think we are becoming a kind of a service economy we have to think about how we're serving others because that's that's the um, we, we can't manufacture our way out 
of this. We're going to have to figure out ways around the edges um, because manufacturing is, is largely it's a combination of resources and, and labor costs. So, well, what's, what, what's the future of Washington County? What are, what are you looking for and how does this notion of an entrepreneurship fit into that if we don't get any further phone calls? Well, I would say yeah, I, I think the future, I think the path to prosperity in Washington County is not going to come from the outside. Mm -hmm. um, it is going to be entirely from individuals who start businesses and create value and create new opportunities there. It's going to be through people who invest in themselves through education um, so that they're doing professional work that helps build the economy in that way. Um, you know, it's going to be through people who just work incredibly hard mm. um, in long hours and just build the economy. And that's, that's the same as the past in Washington Exactly. <laughs> and it's just, you know, it's where we are in the nation and where we are in the state. Sure. We're on the edge. Right. Um, and until, you know, as long as there's a Canadian border, we will be on the edge. <laughs> um, and the ocean isn't going anywhere. Sure. So it is, I think it's going to be homegrown solutions. And just incredible efforts and work from the people who live there. That is the path forward. Um, but, and it's not – I mean, there are real challenges there. We do think there's potential. And, yeah. and we know from the past sure. we've been confronting these challenges for 100 years. Right. And Washington County, you know, most people are not in poverty. We've got a phone call. Let's yeah. take that phone call very quickly. Go ahead with your question or comment, please. Hi, uh, David. I'm calling from Brooklyn. Thanks a lot for your show uh, and the work you're doing uh, at Community Organizing. I, I really was happy to hear the uh, organic uh, part of the blueberries uh, come on the air because uh, to me it seems that's the only that's the only sustainable way we can we can go with that particular crop. The, the thing about it, the interesting thing about it is, of course, is that it is much more uh, labor intensive. And what do we have in Washington County? We have a lot, a lot of people who don't have any work. Uh, I, I wonder um, what the bank is doing specifically to uh, seek out and maybe even develop uh, small businesses, which might even uh, intentionally de-mechanize uh, the means of production with, with the intent not of getting beyond the the edge, not of getting over the edge into the the ever expanding uh, international market, but rather looking in toward the center of the circle. If we say we're on the edge, well, there's all that center, you know, which which we contain. And if we look into that center instead of fretting about how we're going to get further out, uh, we could probably find plenty of people we could put to work. Uh, and plenty of things we need, which we could make, which we used to make, which we, we basically know how to make. And the bank could be a great energizer in, in starting up these well, small, I mean, let's make matches again. You know? well, David, let's give uh, Larry a chance because we're almost at the end of the hour. But sure. I think he's got okay. some response. Thanks for Thanks. your call yeah. today. I, I, I'm not clear on the question, Ron. So, so this notion that we probably can't, we can't necessarily compete in the world market, but are there things that small businesses can be doing? Again, Andrea's notion of serving other people mm. in in Washington County, and is the bank on board with, with that sort yeah, of thing? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, uh, Charles mentioned potential. I mean, we, we think sky's the limit. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm one of those people that thinks anything's possible, mm -hmm. and, and an entrepreneur can, can, can really do anything with the, with the right resources and the right connections. And I, and I really think this is where we're headed with this initiative. You know, we, we're tired of being passive. We, we're not going to be passive. So, you know, we, we, we don't claim to have all the answers at this stage mm -hmm. in the game. And we do believe this will be an evolutionary iterative process and, and, and we'll experiment and we'll, we'll, we'll keep pushing until, until we get it right and get some traction and find some solutions and make some positive things happen. In the meantime, you know, we want to, again, connect all of those dots. We want mentorship. We want collaboration. You know, they, they say a workhorse by itself can pull 8,000 pounds. You hitch two together and they can pull three times that many. So I, I really think collaboration is a really important part of the answer. Great. Well, thanks to both of you. We're at the end of the hour. It's gone very, very quickly. Um, and uh, we want to thank uh, Larry uh, Barker of the Machaya Savings Bank. He's the president and um, CEO there. And um, Charles Rutledge, the executive director of the Sunrise County Economic Council. We've come to the end of the hour. Be sure and join us from 10 
to 11 on the second Friday of each month for Talk of the Towns. Podcasts of our programs can be found in the archives section of the WERU website. If you've got comments or suggestions for topics, please email us at news at weru.org. And tune in for our companion program, Coastal Conversations with Natalie Springle of the University of Maine Sea Grant, 10 to 11 on the fourth Friday of each month. Our theme music is a medley from Coronac on a Balmain House Highland music recording. Uh, recording. I'm sorry, I'm trying to talk way too fast. Thanks again to our guests. Thanks to those who listened and called in. Thanks to our underwriters. Thanks to Joel Mann for engineering our program. And stay tuned for On the Wing with Joel Raymond. This is Ron Beard, your host for Talk of the Towns, wishing you a good morning. Support for WERU comes from our listeners and from the League